Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Good morning, Cleveland. It's just me today, so no Paul, but we've got a fantastic guest on joining us. We've got Brendan Leister um, from PFF, from Browns Note Podcast, helps Jake Burns out with uh, Browns Film Breakdown, as well as hundreds of other places doing great content. Brendan, how are you? Doing great, man. Still excited about the OBJ trade. Um, it's just, it's been fun watching John Dorsey, you know, take these assets and try to build the team further and Looking forward to seeing what they put on the field. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, for me, I don't think it will actually settle in the OBJ trade until I see that first one-handed catch. Whether that's training camp, whether that's in a match, it doesn't matter. I just need to see him in the brown and orange with a one-hander. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I'm excited to see that too. And I think it's going to be fun seeing like Landry and him battle it out for like who who can make the most spectacular catches and all that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to follow the team and OTAs and camp. Yeah, there is so many wide receivers there with Callaway and Higgins as well. And then a few of the others that might come along, maybe a draft pick. It's going to be a really good battle because they're not just going to be fighting for touches. They're going to be fighting for who's out there on the field. So uh, it'll drive everyone up and, and that's what you want. Yep, absolutely. So you've obviously all heard me chatting on the podcast about what we do with the defense. Do we move to one linebacker sets? Do we move to two linebacker sets? So I went out and got Brendan on because this is someone I've spoke several times about on Twitter and obviously has a much better knowledge as someone that coaches in the game, um, how to sort of look at defenses and why we should be moving to more one or two linebacker sets. So um, no, Thank you for coming on. And I will start off first just chatting about where the Browns linebacker room is at at the moment. Yeah, so at the moment, um, I think it's it's kind of tough to look at the starting lineup and have like too much confidence. Um, you know, I am confident about Schobert. He had a great year in coverage. He's really developed in that area of his game. He was one of our highest graded linebackers in coverage last year at PFF. Um, I think that he does need to still come along as a run defender, but I do think that the scheme put him in some tough spots as far as, you know, they played a lot of Tampa 2. He was responsible for covering, covering the deep middle, but also being responsible for a gap in the run game. So I think there were times where people didn't really always understand that. He would be lining up maybe eight yards off the ball, but then be responsible for a gap in the, in the box. And that's, that's a tough role. I think also he was sometimes trying to make up for other players being out of position on the D-line or being you know, outside linebackers being undisciplined. So hopefully this upcoming year, there can be more, um, more kind of, he can have more confidence in his teammates, I should say. The guys around him hopefully being in their spots and he'll trust those guys more and hopefully they earn his trust. Um, and then obviously Kirksey, uh, right now you have to slot him in at Will Linebacker. He, he has not been the same player since, uh, since Craig Williams and Blake Williams were have been coaching him, you know, Blake Williams. I mentioned him because he's been the linebackers coach the past two years. And I really felt like he regressed during that time. He was one of the best coverage linebackers in the game early in his career. And it's just, he's just taking steps backwards every year. And this past year, um, he just really did not play well at all. He was not, you know, gap sound a lot of times in the run game, uh, which would lead to them giving up big runs. And then 
in coverage. I thought he and Collins were both very undisciplined with, you know, they would be in the same zone as another player covering. They'd both be like covering the same guy, leaving another guy wide open. So you can't have that in underneath zones, especially when you play in a defense that spot drops as much as they did with Greg Williams. So hopefully that stuff changes and hopefully the coaching makes a big difference there. Um, you know, that's kind of the starting nickel group, I think, which nickel is the base defense in the modern league. Um, I think when they're in a base 4-3, as of how it stands now, Gennaro Avery is probably the Sam backer, um, even though most of us that, you know, follow the team closely realize that he's an edge rusher. He's a situational pass rusher primarily in nickel, which is, like I said, the modern game that's base defense. Um, I wonder if one of these linebackers that they've either brought back or signed is going to compete with him for that spot or if they'll continue to target guys to compete with him for the the starting Sam role, which typically plays about 30% to 35% of plays in modern, you know, in the modern game uh, in the, when they're in a 4-3 base. Um, I kind of wonder if Ray Ray Armstrong will fit into that at all. Um, he played a decent amount in that last game of the season against Baltimore. Um, they clearly think somewhat highly of them because they brought him back and then Adarius Taylor I'm interested to see where he fits in I know that he has experience at all three spots but he really didn't grade out well for us at PFF last year when he played a decent amount for Tampa Bay Um, both guys are question marks they're best served as depth in my opinion and special teamers and then behind those guys are just like Xavier Woods and Luster I think he probably fits in at Mike, but I don't, I don't know a ton about him. He's just a depth player, I would say. And then Dewan Hines is another guy that they have on the 90-man. But, um, again, another depth special teams guy probably that's just competing for a roster spot. No, fantastic breakdown of it all there. For me, yeah, Jannard uh, Avery wouldn't even be on the depth chart as a linebacker. He'd solely be in there as sort of your, your fourth edge because he, he can just wreak havoc anytime there's a uh, obvious pass down, um, stick him in there. And the whole mm-hmm. argument of hand in the dirt, hand not in the dirt, is just nonsense in the modern NFL. So, um, no, it, he, he's really exciting there. Um, Dorsey spoke that he, he thinks he can be a linebacker. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But, um, no, that's where the linebacker room is. And the debate is, do we need them linebackers? You spoke 4-2-5 is now sort of, nickel that's the base where the league's moving um who knows what comes next greg williams is one of the old school people of i want my three linebackers out there um so i think wilkes that will change with him he had the three linebacker sets in his one year carolina but he had three awesome linebackers if if i have a linebacking call that says luke keekley um schober and uh cj mosley you're going to play three linebackers because they're really talented players. So um, you, you've got to balance the two out. Um, and linebacker is a weakness for us. So um, no, let's move on. The one I want to start with first is slot corners and using them more. I'm of the mind that however many wide receivers are out there, I want a cornerback out there marking every single one of them. Is that where we should be in the NFL? It just seems like common sense. Oh, absolutely. And I would even take it a step further and, and I would go um... – I think it depends on who your safeties are, depends on who your linebackers are. If you have another corner that can be on the field and, and cover, you know, if the other team has a weapon that's a running back or a tight end in the pass game, I would even have a corner on the field to guard that guy. I think the key with Nichols and, and something, this is something that people don't consider enough is 
nickels a lot of times are heavy run support players. I mean, if, if, the, if the ball is ran, a lot of times you'll spike your D end inside to that side. The nickel will be responsible for setting the edge and, and a lot of defenses. So that can't just be a finesse guy. You know, that DB needs to be able to come up and run support and, and, have, and kind of fill the D gap a lot of times. So I think that's something that gets forgotten. And um, you can't have like a finesse guy out there that's just going to get mauled. He has to be able to beat the slot receivers block, make plays in the run game. But, but absolutely, I think if you have enough talented corners or, you know, hybrid safety types that can, that can be on the field and cover those players, that's absolutely necessary in the modern game. Yeah, and I, I think lots of people just assume that you put in um, less linebackers out there, you're not taking the run game seriously. And it was really interesting to note that the team that managed to completely shut down Lamar Jackson – was the Chargers when it was more or less just it's from what I saw six DBs out there all the time it was uh it was crazy how they literally just no respect for linebackers it was just pack the field full of uh safeties yeah actually I think they played seven most of that game which was something that you don't see often um you know six six DBs is typically a dime package seven is actually a quarter package we saw a little bit of that with Mike Pettin in Cleveland when he was here um, but that was typically just on passing downs. But yeah, in that game against Baltimore, they were using uh, seven DBs a lot of times. And you got to really have versatile players that can come up and make plays in the box and be involved in the run fits and all that stuff. But but it did make sense to have those speedy guys on the field that could defeat the blocks by the offensive linemen and get in the backfield and make plays. Um, they clearly had more trouble the following week when they played against New England, who used more of a fullback in the game because that's something that Baltimore didn't do a ton of. You just you just get different angles uh, with your blocks when you use a fullback, and and not to mention the fact that um, you know New England had a week to prepare for it, and and that obviously makes a huge difference if you have a good coaching staff and you have a week to prepare for something. Um, I was pretty disappointed with the way that the Chargers adjusted from there after that game. They had a fantastic game plan against Baltimore, caught them off guard, but then they were they were destroyed the next week against New England because they didn't they didn't like counter what they did. They just came out with the same type plan and thought, oh well, we beat Baltimore, we can come out the next week and do similar stuff against New England. It just didn't work. So, but yeah, I I'm a hundred percent with that. If you have talented, versatile DBs that can that can cover, but also, you know, manage the run fits and do those responsibilities. That's the key. But I think there's, there is also an argument to be said that ideally you want linebackers that can just do both and then you're in a good spot. So it really just depends on what your talent is because like we mentioned before with Carolina, with Wilkes, you know, the reason that they use three linebackers so much is because they had Shaq Thompson. I mean, that's the key. Shaq Thompson was a safety in college most of his career. And then he transitioned to linebacker. He's a hybrid player. So whether you list him as a linebacker, a safety, whatever you want him to want to list him as, he was a hybrid player. But with Greg Williams in Cleveland, I mean, he might have thought that Jamie Collins was a hybrid player or, or whoever he wanted to think. But no, they didn't have hybrid players of linebackers. So that was why we saw so many issues in coverage, in my opinion, especially covering underneath zones, um, not only from a talent standpoint, but also, like I mentioned before, the discipline standpoint. Um, but yeah, in the modern game, it's just all about having two-way players that can, like, coverage is huge, obviously, for everybody, as we know, because it's a passing league. But the guys do have to execute run fits unless they want to get mauled. So at the end of the day, it's just all about having your best 11 players on the field for the situation. 
No. And we can always upgrade in the cornerback department. I still think there's some holes there for the Browns. Um, mm-hmm. What's your view in sort of, we need someone out opposite um, Ward on the outside. I think that's where our pick at 49 will go. Um, with Mitchell and Carey, Carey obviously played quite a bit in the slot. Is that where you see him? Could Mitchell, if he's not outside, potentially go and play in the slot either as well or instead of uh, Carey? No, I definitely view it as Carey being the nickel guy right now. And I see um, I see no chance that Mitchell would hang in the slot. It's just not his game. He's, um, you know, we talked about run defense for a Nichols before. He, he actually, of all the guys in that room last year, I think he would have been the worst at it of all those corners that they had on the roster. He... He is not a physical player. He's at his best outside as a corner, you know, marking guys on the boundary. Um, Carey can hang, you know, closer to the box better, and he's a little bit more agile, and he can hang with slot slot receivers a lot better as where – and he's also long. I mean, we saw him go up and make some plays on the ball, especially in the red zone. I think in the Falcons game he saved a touchdown. So he um, – you know, Carey, I thought, come, came along as the season went on. But, yeah, Mitchell is definitely an outside guy. And then Ward is the type that he can just follow whoever the best receiver of the other team is. If they want to have him cover that guy or if they want to shut down the number two with him and double the top guy like they did sometimes. I mean, Ward can just cover whoever you want him to cover. Whoever the ba- best matchup for him is that week, he can go inside with him or he can cover him outside. He can play press. He can play off. The key with him is just health. No, um, I'm Philip Gaines. I thought it's a fantastic addition as sort of that uh, fourth choice outside corner. Because if you've got Ward, you bring in a number two, Mitchell three, um, Gaines in at four. That gives you it, it gives you depth because you're going to get injuries. You need to have more players there. Uh, PFF Steve just bangs on about corners all the time, and you can't have enough. You can't have enough. You can't have enough, and it is so true. So um, it's nice to have a, a little bit of depth there because you're going to get injuries across the season. Yeah, definitely. I think that they should still bring in another playable vet. Um, I'm not quite as confident in Philip Gaines. You know, he did do some things in a really tiny sample size last year, but looking back over the course of his career, I don't really trust it so much. I know that he's, I think he's struggled, you know, coverage grade wise pretty much every year of his career. If you just look at the average over the course, whether it was covering in the slot or covering outside, um, I think it is good that he's, he's versatile depth. I mean, at least at least you have two guys on the team now that you can be confident can at least hang at nickel with him and carry. But I would still consider getting another playable vet to compete outside with Mitchell because while Mitchell did some good things last year, I think that people have overrated the way that he played last year. He, he was the weak link in the secondary, I would say, especially against Oakland. If you go back and study that game early in the season, I know that he broke, broke his arm midway through like, midway through the game at some point, but he was giving up a lot of catches early in that game. There were games late in the season where he got picked on a little bit out opposite Ward. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that also drafting a corner and getting another playable vet that can compete, I think that's key because you just you need so many talented corners in the modern game. We saw it last year. Gaines went down. Mitchell went down. Um, Ward went down. And also with the way the coverage grades are so unstable year to year, you just never know. I mean, Mitchell and – Carey might both regress big time and, and Ward might be hurt. And then you're, you're in a really tough spot then. So they need as many talented corners as they can have for the coaches to get their hands on and mold in the way that they want them to be and, and develop them over time because you have to have a bunch of guys that can cover in the modern NFL. 
And so flipping over to look more at safeties, um, just with where our room's at now, you've got Demarius Randall, who's he's above average, but not elite. There is an emotional attachment to him. Um, nothing for me will ever, the best moment last season for me isn't even Baker Mayfield's first game. It is that moment. And I called it drunk the day before for him to get an interception, run over and give Hugh Jackson the ball. Um, the most ridiculous prediction I've ever made and let alone it come true. Um, that was just a highlight. But I, I was very much open. If they could have got old Thomas, I had no issue with saying goodbye to him um, because you can always upgrade there. Obviously, opposite him, Kindred is okay. He's not good enough to if you're talking about having a really, really good secondary. So I, I still think they're going to have an eye on some free agent out there. Um, I don't even think they wait until the draft. They maybe replace Kindred in the draft. Yeah, I definitely think that they they are another that's another position where they need a playable vet to come in. Actually, you need an even you need like a starting level strong safety, in my opinion. I think other people view Kindred in a more positive light than I do after last season. He showed some good things in the 2017 season, especially setting the edge in the run game. But he he has never done much good away from the line of scrimmage. And in the modern game, you need guys that can play too high you know they need to be able to play too high safety they need to play single high they need to be able to move based on the motion and he's just it's kind of weird he's like an edge setting safety I mean that's the way I view him like he's he's good at the line of scrimmage like setting at the point of attack penetrating in the run game but even off the ball at times like he just gets mauled sometimes in space in the run game so it's, it's just a weird it's a weird thing with him and then also his coverage instincts haven't been great so I mean, you never know. Maybe he develops, but I, I don't see a chance that he's a even an average uh, starting safety next year. So I absolutely think that they need a vet. They need to draft another safety, too, to develop maybe, um, well, even, I think, to compete with Kendrick. And, and they even need – I mean, you never know with undrafted free agents. You know, teams find talented undrafted free agents every year that make teams and surprise. So maybe they find another safety – that way and they can find a solid backup free safety but you know because with letting body calhoun go they do have kind of a hole there now um at free at the backup free safety position so they they need depth they need a starting strong and then i agree with the way that you mentioned randall i mean i think that he he does some good things but he also was playing hurt last year and he's also like inexperienced as an nfl safety so that's that's an interesting dynamic there where he's been in the league for a while, but he's only played safety in the NFL for one year. So he's still adjusting to that role. Um, I, I do think that he kind of fits in. If they could find another safety that would be playable at free, he fits into that cornerback conversation because of the way that he played last, way, last year against Tampa Bay. I mean, they threw him out there against Mike Evans at times, and he played pretty well in that game. And they went to overtime and almost won it with him playing that role. So if you can find enough talented, versatile safeties that can fill those spots, I mean, if they have enough injuries at cornerback, maybe he could help them there at times uh, based on matchups. But, yeah, they, they absolutely need more help at safety. I would love for them to have three or four talented safeties, but at this point I only think they have one. So, No, the, the hypothetical that I've looked at, um, if you, you keep Tamaris Randall as your, your one high safety, and while we still had Peppers, it was – Try get someone like the Peppers, the Derwin James, the Jamal Adams, not use a pick that high, but find another player. And 
11 personnel is by far the most common package you're going to face as a defense. So if you had three um, cornerbacks covering the three wide receivers, drop to just one linebacker and then have your two Peppers-style players that they can rush the passer, they can play as a linebacker, they can drop deep as um, a safety, and they can do it all. And the Colts, um, Mike Renner from PFF did a really interesting piece that basically said the Colts' defense last year was almost like the opposite to the Rams in the way that they set up the same way every snap. And because they could all do so many different things once the snap was made, it's really difficult to read that as a uh, offensive coordinator, as a quarterback, because until the ball snapped and they start moving, you've almost got to wait that extra little bit of time just to see where everyone moves. So having a defense that you could almost have these two completely hybrid safeties either side of a linebacker and just drop down from Damaris Randall would have created absolute carnage for quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree with that. There's something to be said for that. And that's, that's why I'm always talking about talented, versatile players. Cause you want guys that can not only play multiple positions, but play multiple roles within the defense. I mean, it is a luxury if like, like what the Colts did last year, sometimes where they would have a linebacker, like cover the flat and cover two. I mean, most DCs wouldn't even think of that. And um, I think that's, you know, a lot of times if if a linebacker's outside, typically it's man to man because he's covering a linebacker or he's covering a running back out there after a motion or something. So having your linebacker out there like able to cover the flat, it just it really messes with the what the quarterback's reading, like you said, because you're expecting guys to play certain roles and certain coverages based on their positions. So when you all of a sudden break that mold and you're asking guys to do other things, it can really just mess up the thought process and you know quarterbacks are making decisions within two to five seconds five at most you know it's pretty tough for a pass protection to hang you know even for three to three and a half seconds so you know I'm, I'm including like time after the play has broken down and the guy scrambles but yeah within you know within four seconds usually three and a half seconds at most uh, the quarterback is making those decisions after the snap so so if you're giving him false keys pre-snap and within the first couple seconds of the snap, it's it's pretty tough to hang with that. And, and it can lead to a lot of mistakes, interceptions, batted balls, uh, just all kinds of, you know, quarterback holding the ball, taking sacks, strip sacks is what happens when that happens. So, um, yeah, it just it creates problems if you have a lot of versatile guys that can play different roles. And it's a it's a really good good thing to have I don't feel like the Browns are at that point or even close at this point so it's kind of disappointing you know from our standpoint because I look at this and I think I'm confident on the back end in Ward, Schobert, Randall but that leaves you know that leaves the nickel spot it leaves the will and it leaves strong safety as positions where I'm you know I'm I'm iffy about Mitchell and and Carey and and I think that you know they they're okay but <laughs> we'll see when when we get to training camp in the preseason but then with with Kindred and Kirksey I'm like man those guys really need to step up this upcoming season so you know there's definitely some spots back there where I'm concerned and I wish we were in a position where they had versatile talent but they're just not at that level yet uh, hopefully they can get there by the time the season comes around but um, I'm probably not gonna uh, I'm not gonna expect it I'll just say that <laughs> 
Yeah, let's let's go get Zach Brown. Let's go get um who else is out there? Trey Boston. Um yeah. Barry's out there if you wanted to go um and get another safety as well. So there's some names. Mm-hmm. Um what yeah. moves I make I, I still think they they're bringing in a free say uh free agent safety. Um and it's just do they make a move on a player like Zach Brown or or somebody else? Um but, uh, yeah. we will see. But no, thank you so much for coming on. I've found it a really interesting discussion and it's one that will continue to go until we sort of see what Wilkes is going to do because no one's got a clue what Wilkes has got planned up his sleeve because it was so different in Carolina because of the talent he had. So he had to play a certain way. And then we saw a mixture of everything when he was in Arizona. So it's it's going to be a great unknown. And still, even on the offensive side of the ball, um, Freddie has had no chance to put his offense actually into game. He was working off a playbook that was already made and trying to do what he could. And it worked really well. He's obviously going to mix that up. Moncton's going to come and inject some magic. So um, no, it's, it's exciting times. And um, no doubt we'll have you back on probably around uh, time after draft, near a f- um, training camp when we start seeing a little bit of uh, how it's all breaking down. But uh, plug yourself. If you're not following Brendan, you need to go follow him on Twitter because there is some fantastic work that comes out there. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, so you, you guys can follow me at Brendan Leister on Twitter. Um, I analyze the game kind of behind the scenes for Pro Football Focus. I write articles for USA Football, uh, just X's nose breakdowns a lot of times about NFL teams and what they're doing uh, with their schemes and stuff. And then I do work with Jake Burns at Browns Film Breakdown. And, and then I also do the podcast with Ryan, uh, the Browns Note. So, yeah, just check out my Twitter account. I, I tweet out that stuff if you want. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's been a good time. And go Browns. No worries. Thank you very much. We're all looking forward to this season now. It cannot come early enough. I don't know what I'm more excited about for September football or February football. <laughs> Amen, man. Let's go Super Bowl Browns. <laughs> uh, uh, Miami's nice any time of the year, so uh, hey, why not this year? That's right. It ain't about the, uh,